All right, so maybe you saw the video. It came out in 2019 of a little boy named RJ that is trying to jump off the diving board for the very first time. This went viral. It was actually on Good Morning America. Many millions of people have actually seen it. But I want to show you this clip, and what you're going to see is RJ's granddad trying to encourage him to jump off the diving board, and you're going to see uh, Miss Margaret, who's a family friend in the water, ready to catch him, and watch how he responds. Go to Miss Margaret. Say, here I come, Miss Margaret. Say, here I come, Miss Margaret. One, two, three. Let's go. Say, say, here I come, Miss Margaret. You got it. Let's jump off that way, RJ. Come on. Come on. You got it now. Say, RJ, say, RJ, say, here I come, Miss Margaret. Yeah. Say it. No, don't, don't, don't get your head back there. Move you got to lean over. Lean, lean over. I mean, that's painful to watch, isn't it? I mean, poor RJ, he is so scared. I mean, uh, every time I see that, I just want to go, hey, buddy, it's going to be okay. Really, it's going to be all right. But he is so terrified to take that leap. You know, there, there are a lot of times we face uh, situations like that in life. Well, we're just afraid. It's just real. We're terrified uh, to... Because of our circumstances, we're terrified to take a leap of faith and do something God's called us to do. And so how do, we, how do we move from fear to faith? How do we take leaps of faith? That's what we're going to be talking about in this new series, Leap of Faith. And so we're going to be studying this all the way through uh, the summer. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11 and these great men and women of the Bible that took great leaps of faith, even in the face of great fear. So if you have your Bible, open it up with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be just diving into it uh, just a little bit today. If 1 Corinthians 13 is a love chapter, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. And this is really where we understand what faith is and then what faith looks like lived out in our life today. So what we're just going to do is, is look at the first three verses this morning. Uh, title of the message today is Living by Faith. So let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. This is the Word of God. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Now stop right there. It's really helpful to understand these three verses as a bridge connecting two larger thoughts together. If you go back to chapter 10, what you'll find is that the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians. These are people that grew up Jewish, that have now become convinced that Jesus is their Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ. And yet, though they made this profession of faith, they're, they're wavering in their faith. They're shaking because of the persecution that's sure to come. They're actually even already experiencing persecution because of their faith in Jesus. In fact, we have, a, we have a church plant in the Galilee in Israel today, and they face persecution. We have church plants in parts of the world that are very dangerous, and they literally face physical threats. 
because of their faith in Christ. And so that's, what he, that's who he's writing to. I just want you to back up to chapter 10 and look, uh, run your finger up to verse 32. And let's see what he says to those Christians that are in fear of persecution. He said, remember the early days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions. And other times you were champions or, or companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you will receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. So you get what he's saying? He's saying, remember guys when it was really hard? Remember when when you were maligned publicly and chastised publicly, made fun of? Remember when they actually came and took your property? And when you stood with your brothers and sisters who were put in prison for their faith, remember that you had faith because you knew you had a greater property and greater possessions in heaven. Remember, you, you stood your ground because you knew the coming one, Christ, was going to come and right every wrong, and you knew the promises of God. And so now he's saying, don't just throw that away. Yeah, if things are hard, things are difficult, but don't just throw that away. Go back to the confidence you had at first. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give in to the pressure. Listen, you may be here this morning and you're, you're facing some real stuff. Maybe some, a season of doubt or, or discouragement. Maybe you are, you're facing persecution uh, from your neighbors or your friends or coworkers. Or maybe you're afraid of where our country is going and what the persecution will look like in five years and 10 years and in 20 years. And what kind of life will that be for your children and your grandchildren? What does he say? He said, hold on to your confidence and faith. Right? So he's encouraging these believers that are, are in difficult situation. Now, in chapter 11, he gives you examples of people who are living by faith, who actually did that, lived it out in their own context, in their own time. So he's going to go through a whole long list of men and women who lived by faith in very scary, difficult situations. All right, so between the encouragement of chapter 10 and the example of chapter 11 is this little three-verse bridge. And in this three-verse bridge, he's going to actually give us a description of what is faith and, and why is faith so important and how do I actually begin to get traction and live by faith. So that's what we're going to look at today. So let's take that first question. What is faith? That's a pretty fundamental question, right? Pretty basic question. And yet, you know, it's kind of sneaky hard to answer that uh, because there are a lot of ways that we throw the faith word out in our conversation, in our culture that is not biblical faith. You know, some people think that faith is just naively trusting something without using your mind or your brain, right? They would call that uh, blind faith. 
Other people think faith is just what you call any kind of religious person. They're a person of faith. No matter what the religion they are, that's just what we call them. It means you're religious. Some people think that faith is a personal power that I exercise to call things into existence. So this is the word of faith movement that was really popular a couple of decades ago. And even in new age movement, they talk about manifestations. I remember uh, one person said they saw an Instagram post where somebody said they manifested a new car uh, by faith, all right? Just believe in it so and brought it, brought it to them. Uh, there are other people that think that faith is just, uh, just hoping for the best. You know, they'll say, hey man, you kind of pat you on the back. Just, just, just have faith that it's all gonna work out. Like just have, be positive. Here's a tricky one. Some people think that faith is believing the right things. And yet we know in James chapter two that even demons believe the right things. They're very orthodox in their theology, but they don't have faith. So what is faith? If I've confused you, then you kind of get the idea. It can be a little bit confusing. If none of those things are biblical faith, then what is faith? And he actually gives us a beautiful description of biblical faith right here. Look at it, verse one. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Now, I want you to understand that this writer is writing to a Jewish audience and he's using a Hebrew literary device called parallelism. We see this in the, in the Proverbs, we see this in the Psalms, where you will see one line that makes a statement and the second line is basically a restating of the first one, just using different words. So that's what is happening here in verse one. So let's look at that first phrase, all right? He's gonna really help us understand what faith is. Faith is a reality of what is hoped for. Underline the word reality, or some versions may use the word substance. Or some versions use the word assurance, right? The, the Greek word there is hypostasis, And it means something that undergirds, right? It, it, it means a foundation or bedrock. Think about the foundation of your home. Your home is solid foundation and everything is built on top of that foundation. That foundation is hypostasis, the substance, the foundation, the grounding, right? So, so he's saying faith is your substance. It is your grounding. It is your foundation when everything else is moving around. When everything is, when trouble swirls around you, faith is what keeps you grounded. I remember Liz and I have only been to Hawaii a couple of times and we were there for, for an anniversary of some kind. And I remember staying in a hotel. We were on the second or third floor of this hotel and it was in the morning, we were just getting up and about, and we heard this rumble sound, and then everything started moving. The whole building started moving. And it was an earthquake. I mean, our first and only earthquake that we've ever experienced. Now, I'm from West Texas. I'll dodge tornadoes all day long. But when the earth starts moving, you know, that's a whole different thing, right? And literally that building began to move and sway around. And what, what kept that building from collapsing was the hypostasis, the solid foundation. So what are you saying? Remember the context of trouble and suffering and persecution. He's saying, what is gonna keep you grounded when trouble comes, when you're shaken, is your faith. Faith is your grounding. Faith is your foundation that, that, that keeps you stable when difficult things come. You say, well, faith, what kind of faith? Faith in what? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at what he says. Now, faith is a reality, the substance, the foundation of what is hoped for. So the, the faith that keeps you grounded is what you hope for. Now, let me tell you what that does not mean. All right, I'm trying to make this really clear. It does not mean the things you hope may happen in your life, such as I hope I get this promotion, right? Or I hope that, that uh, she'll, she'll accept my invitation to go out on a date. Or I hope that we get pregnant this year. Or I hope that this event happens. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about here is the hope that we have in Jesus, our Christian hope. Remember, go back to chapter 10. Remember he said, you were solid because you knew, you had confidence that you had a greater possession in heaven. That's what kept you grounded here. You knew that you could face anything because Jesus was going to come again. You knew that what Jesus promised is true. That was your foundation that got you through. And he said, that's what faith really is. Faith is this confident assurance that that what Jesus said is true, that the Bible really is true, that Christ really did come, that he really did die on a cross for us and he really did rise again from the dead and that he is coming again. And yes, his Holy Spirit lives within us and, and he will even take hard things and turn them into good things. And one day I'm gonna get a new body in heaven and I'm gonna be reunited with my loved ones in heaven. All of that is what I hope for. And he said, when you have confidence in the things that God has promised, that is called faith. A rock-solid confidence in what God has promised. Now, now, he basically says the same thing in the next phrase. Look, he said, it is a proof of what is not seen. It is the word proof. Notice the word proof there. The King, old King James Version uses the word evidence. I love that. So faith is proof. Faith is evidence. You're like, well, man, how in the world is faith evidence? How is faith proof? How does that work? Well, think about it this way. Every jury that makes a decision about a crime does so by faith. Why? Because they weren't there. They didn't see it with their own eyes. So they have to rely on evidence. They have to rely on testimony right? And these, these testimonies come in and those testimonies are considered evidence or considered proof. It's the evidence of someone who did see it that I can trust, that I believe now this is exactly what happened. Now that's what happens with us. We, uh, none of us have been to heaven, right? I know of, nobody here has been to heaven, okay? So how do we know that heaven is real? How do we know that these promises are true about heaven? How do we know that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us? Well, we know because someone came from heaven and has seen what we have not seen yet and has given testimony to it, and that is Jesus himself. I was reading this just this week in John chapter 3, and I love this phrase. Listen to what he said. The one who comes from heaven, speaking of Jesus, is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. So here's Jesus testifying that heaven is real, that the word of God is real, and all these things are real. And so my faith is in that evidence, in that testimony that is true, right? And proven by his own resurrection. 
And so faith, the biblical faith, is not just pie in the sky, well, we just kind of believe a lot of fantasies and fairy tales. No, no, it's rooted in a rock-solid confidence that the promises of God are true. In fact, that's a great definition for you to write down. What is faith? Faith is a rock-solid confidence that God's promises are true. They're really true. You can put your whole weight down on them. You can stand on them. They're solid ground. When, you're, when your world is shaking, when the earthquakes are coming, when fear stares you in the face, what's going to hold you firm is a rock-solid confidence that this is God's word and it is true. That's biblical faith. Now, if you understand that that's biblical faith, then the next question is, first one is, what is faith? Second question is, well, why is it important? <laughs> why is faith so important? And I think verse 2 tells us why faith is so important. Look at it. He says, for by it, that is by faith, our ancestors won God's approval. Other versions say our ancestors were approved. Okay. So this is how you're approved by God. This is how you're accepted by God is you're accepted by faith. You're approved by God. You're accepted by God through faith. Let me say it another way. You're not acceptable to God. You're not accepted by God or approved by God by your works, right? It's not because you did religious things. Well, you don't understand, preacher. I, I grew up in this denomination and, and I was baptized at this age and I went through this ritual or I was confirmed or I was whatever the thing was. Or, you know, I, I do this. I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a good dad. I'm a good mom. Or I try my best at work. I try to live a moral life. Those are all well and good. Those things, though, do not cause you to be approved by God. What causes you to be approved by God is by your faith in Christ. See, all religions in the world are a I can do it religion. I can do it. I can be accepted by God by what I do, by my ritual, by my work, by my ceremonies, by my uh, celebrations that I follow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump through these religious hoops and God will accept me. That's, that's what all religions in the world basically boil down to. The gospel is different. It says I can't do it. I, 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 I agree with the scripture that says I am sinful to the core. I agree with the scripture that there's no good within me. I agree with the scripture that even my righteous acts are like filthy rags and I can't do it. And so I'm dependent on what Christ has done. See, that's the huge difference. And, and faith is, is uh, my acceptance before God based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He said, by faith, uh, you are approved by God. Uh, every, um, every Sunday, uh, I walk down this hallway back behind uh, the platform here. I walk down this long hallway before I come into the auditorium. I, I would do it every Sunday. It's just like, like clockwork. I walk down the hallway and I come back through. And, and think of it this way. Faith is a hallway that you walk through to come into acceptance before God. Ephesians 2.8 says this, for you are saved by grace through faith. The Greek word dia, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. So the way I come to God is through faith. I mean, this is why faith is so important. It's so important because I can't be accepted before God except through faith in the work of Jesus. But not only that, I can't even live a life that pleases God without faith. Look down at verse six, Hebrews uh, eleven six. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
So it's impossible to please God. If this is how God wants me to live, is every day I live by faith. You ever had somebody that you really wanted to please? Somebody that, man, I just, my, certain time in my life, I really wanted to please this person. For me, when I was in high school, I really wanted to please my football coach. All right, his name was Greg Sherwood. And Greg was a big man. Coach Sherwood was a big man. He wore about a size 16, 17 shoe. And we had to special order his sport coats because he was such a big guy. And he was a presence, right? But he was not one of those coaches that yelled at you or cussed at you or anything like that. He just had this aura about him that you just wanted to please him. I mean, the worst thing he could do is look at you and kind of shake his head in disappointment. That's like, oh, that's like a knife through the heart, right? You just wanted to please him. And I always grew up thinking, man, if I could just work hard and do my very best, then, then Coach Sherwood would be pleased. Well, a lot of people think of God like Coach Sherwood. They think, well, I'm just gonna try to do all these things and maybe at the end of the day, you know, it'll be a toss up, but hopefully my good will outweigh my bad and, and God will be pleased. But here he tells us how to please God. And the way that you please God is by faith, that you come to him in saving faith, that you place your faith in him for salvation, but then you live every day trusting him, relying on him, obeying him and believing that what he says is true. That's how you live by faith. So the Christian life from beginning to end is a life of faith. I come to Christ by faith. I live every day by faith. And one day he's gonna take me home by faith. And then my faith will be sight, right? Then I will see what I can't see now, what is invisible now, what is unseen now. I will see then with crystal clear clarity. It's a life of faith. So what is faith? It's a rock solid confidence that God's promises are true. But why is it important? It's important because that's how we come to Christ and that's how we live the Christian life. So that really brings us into this last question and that is how can I live by faith? How can I live and grow by faith? I want you to look at verse three. Check this out. He says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from the things that are not visible, right? By faith, we understand that the world was created by the word of God so that what is seen was, was made by things that are not visible. Now, I want you to understand what he's saying here. This is what he's saying. He's saying that... Um, He's talking to this Jewish audience and he's saying, listen, you all believe that God created the world, right? And at this point, they would all be nodding, right? If he was saying that to the audience, they'd all be nodding. They might even say, amen. Yeah, we believe that God created the world. That's right, we got that. So why do you believe that God created the world? So they think about it and they really believe that for two reasons. One is they believe it because God said it. <laughs> so they understood what God said. But then they also saw what God did or saw what God has done. So understanding what God says and seeing what God has done is what caused them to believe that the world was created by God, all right? So they understood what God said. They, every one of them knew Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They understood what the Bible teaches about creation. They also knew Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. But they also saw with their eyes how God had created the world and they saw that it had design. So there must be a designer, that there were, there were laws of nature. So there must be a lawgiver. 
They understood the, uh, the intricacies of the human body and the glory of the, uh, of the planetary orbits. And they said, there must be a God who has done all these things. How else can you explain this? So they came to believe that God created the heavens and the earth. All right, now here, here's the deal. He said, the same way that you believe that God created the world is the same way you grow in your faith. You want to grow in your faith? You want to live by faith? You need to understand what God says and you need to see what God does. And as you understand what God says and see what God does, you will begin to grow in your faith. This is how every one of the people in Hebrews 11 grew in their faith. Moses heard God say, I'm going to set my people free, right? And then he saw God do incredible things to set his people free. Abraham saw, uh, heard the promise, I'm going to, through you, bring about a great nation. And then he saw God actually do it. God told uh, Noah, I'm going to bring a great flood. He heard and understood what God said. And then he saw a flood come. And sure enough, God really did it. And so they're understanding and they're seeing and experiencing the truth of it over and over and over. That's how they grew in their faith. Well, listen, that's how you grow in your faith. When you understand what God's word says, and then you see God at work in the people around you, when you see God work through biblical examples of people in the past, when you see God working in your own life, then you can believe, begin to believe that I can really trust that God, what God says will actually come to pass. And that is how you go. It's like two pedals on a bike, right? You hear what God says and you see what he does. You understand what God says and you see what he does. You understand what God says and see what he does. And when you do that, you begin to get traction and start to move forward in your faith. And by the way, this is why we teach the Bible here. That's why we open the Bible because you got to know what God says. You got to understand it. Then you can see how God plays it out in your life and the lives of others and your faith can grow. Remember, remember RJ, scared to death on the diving board. We kind of left him hanging there. I told you he did overcome his fear, but let me show you uh, what happened later. Check this out. All right, man. First time w without me in the water with you. Remember, get you a breath and swim all the way to the edge. To the wall. Come on. You got it. Good job. All right, give a little hand clap for RJ. Come on, there we go. He finally made it. I mean, he didn't look afraid at all, did he? He just kind of walked up there, whoop, like he's done it a hundred times, right? Now, why did he do that? Probably because he had heard his dad. Remember his dad said, like I've told you, like I've showed you. So dad's been working with me. He's heard his father. And then he probably saw lots of other kids jumping. And then finally one day he goes, okay, I guess I'm going to have to, I guess I'm going to have to try this out. You know, I'm, I'm hearing and I'm seeing and I, here we go. And so he jumps out and he realizes, hey, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And then he could do it again and again and again. And he grew in his faith. That's what, that's what God wants for you. God wants to grow you in your faith. He wants you to learn to really believe him and really trust him that what he promises is true. He wants you to live a life that pleases him and you do it by faith. Let me just kind of close off with this little thought. There are two places in the gospels when Jesus was amazed. I mean, Jesus amazed a lot of people, but for Jesus to be amazed is a really interesting thing. Two different times when Jesus was amazed. One time he was amazed because a man came to him asking Jesus to do a healing miracle for someone he loved. 
And, and he just believed Jesus. He believed that Jesus could do it, believed Jesus would do it. And Jesus was taken back because this guy was kind of an irreligious guy, but yet he had such great faith. And he said, Jesus was amazed at his great faith. Look how he trusts me. The second time is when Jesus went to his own hometown, to people that were very religious. The people had the law and they had the testimony of God. But he was amazed at how little faith they had, that they would not trust him. Now, Jesus was amazed because someone had great faith and, and some people that should know better had very little faith. And it made me think, if Jesus were to look at you today, how would he see your faith? Would he be amazed at how you trust him? How you depend on him? How you really put your weight down on his promises? Or would he be amazed that after all he's given you and after all you know and after all he's done for you, that you still have very little faith? Would he look at you and say, you st- after all that you know and all that I've done, you still won't trust me with your kids? You still won't trust me with your future? You still won't trust me to provide for you? You still won't trust me? Listen, God wants to grow your faith. And over the summer, we're gonna be looking at how to do that more and more. But right now, God wants to grow you right where you are so that you can trust him and live a life that pleases him. Why don't you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Like I said, the Christian life really starts in faith and is lived out by faith and finishes with our faith becoming sight. And so you may be here today and you are not sure. You Maybe you have not really placed your faith in Jesus. Maybe you're, you're trying to be good. You think that that's gonna make you approved by God or accepted by God. And you just heard today that it won't. The only way that you can be accepted by God is to place your faith and trust in the, in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is pretty simple. While God created you to know him in a deep and personal way, we have sinned against God. We have gone our own way. We have lost our way. We have, we have lived our own life. We've offended God. And while we deserve judgment for that, that God sent his only son, Jesus, and Jesus came on a rescue mission as our savior, And Jesus showed us who the Father is, but he also went to a cross. And on that cross, Jesus took on all your sin and all your your wickedness and all your failures and all the things that you've done to offend God. All these things were put on the back of innocent Jesus. And he died taking those nails, taking that beating. He died on that cross to pay the full payment for your sin and for my sin. And he did it because he loves you. And he came to redeem you and to forgive you. The Bible says he was buried and three days later he rose again from the dead and he offers new life to all who will turn to him, all who will believe in him. Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me and those who come to me I will never push away. And and today, maybe right now you feel the drawing work of the Father, the loving draw of the Father 
that says you've got to come to Jesus. So place your faith in Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I don't want you to leave here without a chance to be right with God, to be forgiven of your sin, to have a home in heaven. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith. And if you're here today and you're unsure, but you sense the Spirit of God drawing you, you sense your need for Christ, you sense your, the, the weight of your, the guilt of your sin, and you, you want to be clean, you want to be forgiven, you want to be right with God, then don't ignore that. That's God at work in your heart. And I want to give you a chance to pray this prayer of faith with me. So I'm just going to ask you with your heads bowed, if God's moving in your heart, you want to receive Christ, I want you to just lift up your hand. I'm not going to call you out in any way, but I'll see that hand and I'll just lead you in a prayer right where you're seated to trust Christ. So just lift up your hand right now. God's working in your heart. You want to know for sure that you're right with God. Just lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I want to be right with God. I want to know for sure that I'm going to heaven. Just lift up your hand right now. God moving in your heart. Pastor, pray for me. Okay. All right. Would you uh, just pray this simple prayer with me right where you are? Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way and I've lost my way. But I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. I believe he rose again from the dead.